We are here to fight for change in our city. We are the Johannesburg Junior Council. Guys, and welcome back to the home of deep conversations, chilled conversations, funny conversations, and simply just Dula and I thinking out loud. Welcome back to Getting Real with Dula and Sichawa. Now, our guest today is an inspiring guy. He's going places. He's going to get us to Mars. He's a leader and he's a fellow Janusburg Junior Counselor. Our guest today is Sipo Georgia. Hey, hey, Sichawa. Thank you for having me on the show today. Sure. And also thanks to Dula, my bro. You know what I wish no I stress. had? One of, those, one of those sound effects, those clapping sound effects things. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. for guests, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you must tell him to add it in. Yeah, so let's talk about race today. Let's talk about race and let's specifically speak about people of color. So, mm-hmm. basically, just to like give some context, people of color are all non white people, right? And so, yes. my question to the both of you is um, because as people of color, our ancestors experienced, you know, discrimination oppression and racism do you still feel the effects of that today but personally do you still um, just just, just before we get into this Chaba, i think we should just let everyone know uh, that the fact that we are non-white people so that they can yeah. understand where we're coming from as a group of people oh yeah sorry guys you forgot to ah, so yeah at least they know so at least they know yeah so okay you, um yeah. let me introduce okay um I'm Super Georgia. I'm a black, proudly black, um, South African person. I'm a Kosa. I'm Kosa by culture. And yeah, I'm proudly South African. Okay, well, with me, I'm Sichaba. Um, and then I'm, I'm also black. Um, and then I'm Dwana by culture. Um, so hi, I'm, I'm Dula. Um, and I am an Indian man. I don't know. I don't, I don't think there's different types of Indians like you have, like Zulu and Kosa. But uh, yeah. I don't know. Do you guys know? I'm not very informed. I, it should be. I was gonna. I was gonna name what I thought, but then I no. I, yeah, I think yeah, <laughs> just, just Indian. Yeah. Yeah. So, should I ask my question again? Yeah, yes. go for it, man. So, because we have our ancestors have experienced discrimination, oppression, and racism, do you still feel the effects of that today, personally? Sipo, you As can go for it, man. People of color. Okay. Hey. Um, I feel like, like not even just me alone. I feel like the everyone who 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 lives in South Africa does feel the effects because, mm. as much as we'd like to admit it, we, um, during school and during work time, yes, there's integration and yes, you know, um, there is um, I can say reform to an extent, but you know, when it's time for people to to now go chill and and it's break time or time for people to socialize, something very interesting happens. Time and time again, you see um, black and white people reverting to their traditional social circles. So true. So, and, and it's subconsciously, it's almost like there's a subconscious or psychological divide that needs to be broken. So I think not just me, but I think there still is that thing that there needs to be more reform, that we're not, we're not totally integrated yet. It's going to take time. But that's what I think. And and just with that, Sipo, I just wanted to say, I don't know if that's so much, I mean, to an extent it is racism, but I think to an extent it's also when you come from home, 
you're surrounded by a certain race of people, right? Usually mm-hmm. the race. And so I think when you like when you get into school, it's just a familiar face. It's like a what you what you're used to so much so that you you congregate with people that look like you because you identify with them as well so i don't know if it's so much racism or just a bit of comfort thing i know that actually this is making me think because there's this whole debate going around with if i chill with or feel comfortable being around people of my race or choose to inter not even integrate or be in groups with people in my race am i being racist you know and that that's gotten me thinking what do you guys think about that actually well, let me just, I didn't mean it in a sense that um, you're being racist if you revert to your traditional social groups. I just said that it's more or less anti-integration. Yeah. So in terms of integration, that is not really the best thing for the country right now, right? What we, what we need right now is for people to be coming together and, you know, just breaking those divides between the social groups. Because at the end of the day, color is literally a reflection of light. So how can you base yeah. your interactions with people or something as, you know, as, as, as random as, you know, a, a reflection of light? So yeah. I'm not saying it's racist. I'm just saying it's nonsensical for this to be a norm of our social standards. So let me rephrase it like that. I'm not talking about being racist. I was just saying yeah. that it shouldn't be the norm. I think, like, for example, with me, I've, I've always been around or growing up in schools where there's a mixed culture, you know, there's black kids, white kids, Indian kids, colored kids, biracial kids, Asian kids. And so it's I've, I've always been comfortable in those environments. So it's interesting to hear, you know, like Dula's perspective on that. That was interesting. But I think with me, um, to answer my own question in a way, um, personally, I think there's this weird thing that happens, and it's not the first time. I don't know if I'm crazy or what, but I'll be walking in a mall, right? Or I'll be in a public space. And I think, you know, obviously there are stereotypes about black people. Just pe- There are stereotypes about every race that are, that's perpetuated by media. But I almost feel like people feel threatened of me just by me walking behind them or standing in the queue behind them. Or Have you ever felt that? Well, I, I can't say from experience personally. I mean, there's not so many... Um, uh, well, to an extent, there's a lot of stereotypes about Indians and Muslims, about bombings and things like that. Yeah. But I don't think it's so prevalent in, in South Africa. I, I see it a lot in like the US and Europe. But I don't think I felt that as personally as you have. And I think that's it, it's so ridiculous because, I mean, the majority of South Africa is black. So, I, I, so I don't understand why like y- you have even needed to feel like that or someone's made you feel like that because there's, there's so many black people. It makes up South Africa and now there's, there's so much racism towards it. It, it. It's just, I think it's it all stems back from apartheid and things like it that. Sipo, have you ever experienced anything like Sichaba? Yeah, yeah, like personally. Well, if you know me, you'll know that I'm a very small, skinny type of guy with an innocent face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> people don't really get intimidated or scared when I'm standing behind them. So I can't really relate to what you're saying. But I understand what, where you're coming from. Yeah. From that thing of people just being scared when a black person or African person stands behind them. But as Dula said, I don't think so much in South Africa. I think it's more of in the U.S. where they've been having fights in, where they've been fighting in Iraq, you know, fighting with yeah. Osama bin Laden and tend to be Muslims and you get those stereotypes coming out of there. But in South Africa, I don't think not so much. 
Do you think that South African has? Oh, South Africa has a culture of. I I wouldn't I wouldn't know what to call it. Um, I don't want to say nice racism or or racism that's not so obvious. Oh, um, maybe Dula can go first because yeah. <laughs> um, I think I think. Well, every country, not just South Africa specifically, yeah. I think there's always a little bit of underlying racism that isn't really projected, but it is sitting there like it's dormant, like a volcano that hasn't erupted. It's there, but you you only see it subtly. So like how you said you felt when you were standing in the queue behind someone and they almost felt like you were going to do something because, yeah. because you're a, a black person. Um, I think that's a bit of underlying racism. Like they didn't go out and call the police against you, but they were just looking behind or that that's just, it, it was underlying. It wasn't just projected. So I don't think it's South Africa per se that is just like brilliant. I yeah, think it's yeah. all over the world. And you know, you that know? that actually brings me to institutional racism now that we're speaking about that. It's not, it's not always obvious, but it's there. Um, For those of you listening who don't know what institutional racism is, it's also known as systematic racism. And it's basically racism um, found in social and political institutions. Now, Sipo, I know this is something that, you know... Yeah, I was going to say that this podcast is going to be 30 minutes. Cause I, <laughs> <laughs> I know yeah, this is something that you speak about a lot. Yo, uh, yo, yo, yeah. I was, okay. So I believe that one of the biggest indicators or signs that institutional racism is still going strong today in South Africa mm-hmm. is the wealth gap or the wealth inequality. I mean, we live in a country of extremes, extreme poverty and extreme wealth. What do you think of this, Sipo? <laughs> Have you ever seen a child in the candy store, how they go crazy and like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> this is what Chavez doing. He's giving me such hot topics. I don't even know where to start. Um, when I think of racism, yeah. I think it's, it's undermining a person of a specific race for whatever reason. To me, that's racism, right? Yeah. Now... When you look at racism, it, 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 has its, its, it has its origins or it has its foundation on the notion that um, people of whatever color are inferior, are, are inferior, uh, yeah. inferior, if that makes sense. Makes sense. And now I'm going to speak specifically about African racism here because most of the time when you hear racism in the news, it's towards Africans. Am I wrong? Like no. That's 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 the norm of what's starting to happen, and I think it's because of this notion of African people being associated with inferiority complexes, or 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 being associated with them being subservient in any way, which has no historical basis. And the reason why I think this is happening is because of what we are taught. Now, what I mean, Shaba, and what I mean, Dula, when I say what we are taught, yeah. In school, they teach you about the colonization of Africa. They teach you about the scramble of Africa, but they don't teach you about the colonization of Europe. Do you know mm. that the Europe, it was colonized and conquered by African people for 700 years. Europe was conquered, Southern Europe. And eventually it was conquered by, um, by the Moors. They called the Moors. So now the Moors in 711 AD, they were conquering sure. Southern Europe. And they were even about to um, um, colonize and conquer um, um, France. They, they colonized the whole of Spain. And they were even about to colonize Europe. But they don't tell you that in school. They tell you that, no, yeah. where Africa took place. But they don't tell you that years before that, the Europeans were conquered by the African people. 
So now when you see that you see Africans as being, um, you know, inferior in some way, it's because that, you know, we've been systematically been written out of the history books. It's, it's a very one-sided story that we're, tell, that we're told in schools. And I think if you go look into the story, it's just, it's so interesting when you look at when the Africans colonized Europe, how they changed the Europeans' thinking. Like, sorry guys, so I'm going to... No, back. continue. You, you know, when, when the Muslim Moors, because they were Muslims, when they colonized Europe, there was a 99% illiteracy rate in Europe. People don't know that. And wow. worse is there were two universities in Europe. When they colonized, they built 70 universities in Europe. There wasn't a single public library. They built public libraries. They built public baths. There wasn't even running water. The Muslim Moors were the first people to figure out how to take water from the mountains and distribute it into the private European homes. So here we can see that when these Muslim Moors, when they colonized Europe, they bettered the European people. So when people ask, okay, so if the Africans colonized Europe, why didn't it turn out like when the Europeans colonized Africa? Yeah. Well, when the Muslim Moors colonized Europe, they did not destroy the culture. They did not shackle the Europeans Yo. in chains. But what they did is they bettered the Europeans. They, they lifted them up. They educated the, the Europeans. As I said, they were 99% illiterate. They even brought algebra. They brought mathematics. They I brought knew about stuff. that, yeah. Because algebra, it's an Arabian word. And you know what's Arabian? It's because of the Arabian Muslim ones. But they don't tell you this in school. They tell you that the Europeans colonized Africa in the scram of Africa. And I think because of that selective telling of history, that's why Africans are seen as inferior. Because there's two sides of the story. We're only seeing one. And you know that that makes me that makes me wonder. You know, it makes me question what we learn in our schools. You know, there's a bias or there's an underlying there's a, if there's an underlying intention to what we are taught and to what we aren't taught. You know. Yeah, and and I think what's so powerful is that that you know when the Europeans came to Africa, they made African slaves, right? They yeah. they, they they made them inferior people. But when the Africans went to Europe. They actually, they, they cherish the European culture, you know? They embrace yeah. it and they add it to it. So I just think that just tells us something about the nature of Africans. And they brought like such, because people think that, no, maybe the Africans were less technologically advanced. They weren't. They were indeed. Like at that time, let me tell you, man. Yeah. When, 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 when the Muslims went to Africa, they, yeah. they, they didn't have paper. Paper was actually invented by the Chinese, but then the Arabians are the ones that implemented it. They built paper-making factories in Spain. And why this is important is because paper enables you to do three, three things. One, it allows you to gather information. Yeah. Two, it allows you to analyze and develop your ideas in a very precise way. And three, it allows you to disseminate your newfound ideas to the broader world. In the 10th century, that was a potent mix, each other. That was a very potent mix. So they brought paper to, to Europe. And also the second thing that the Muslim Moors brought to Europe was when, at that time period, the Europeans were still using Roman numerals to do maths, right? Yeah. The, 
the ciphers or symbols for numbers like one, two, three to nine, right? Those were invented yeah. by Africans. And I knew about that as well, yeah. Imagine, imagine doing mathematics, right? With, with Roman numerals. Do you know what the Roman numeral for yeah, 888 is? What? D-C-C-C-R-X-X-A-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-
Yet still, you can see Africans today, we are still flourishing. It, it wasn't back then. Even today, we are still advancing te- technology, you know? So I yeah. think I, you just mustn't make that mistake of thinking that, no, because we are Africans, we didn't colonize anyone. We weren't um, superior or inferior. And let me tell you, the reason why the nobody's taught about the Muslim Muslim or it's because they were kicked out of Europe, right? Mm. They were kicked out of, because at that time, it was religious clashes between the Christians and the mm. Muslims. Yeah. So when the, um, I think it was um, Isabella, Queen Isabella and King Ferdinand. In fact, before Columbus sailed to America, he stopped to have dinner with King Ferdinand. You see the link in the story. But anyway, King Ferdinand, they kicked out the Muslims because they were Catholic and they wanted to have control. So when they kicked out the Muslim Africans, they burnt all of their history books, they burnt all of their books, they burnt all of their scrolls, you know, and they kicked these people out and they deleted every single trace of the Africans being in Europe. And that's why today we there's not so much history about it. But it happened though, nonetheless. That you cannot take away. Exactly. I think we should just... You cannot, you cannot learn to love yourself if you don't know yourself. So we need to educate, you know, not even just African people, everyone of the true history of what really went down. Dula, I feel like you have something to say. No, man, I'm just, I, I'm just so in awe because I, I've only heard certain sides of the story. And because, like Same. you said, it's so, it's so engrossed and it, it's, it's in the history books. You only hear about how the Europeans colonized Africa. We don't hear this side. And so now I'm just like chilling here, taking in everything that you're saying because it's, it's the first time that I'm hearing it. So I think that's what's so powerful about what you're saying is even though you've heard, I've only heard one side of the story, yeah. I'm still listening to you and believing you and still just in awe of everything that you're saying because I haven't heard that side before. And, mm. you know, you're making me think that, you know, more of the story is like self-education. We should be educating ourselves, you know. Although we do get education from school, it makes me think that, you know, what we're being taught isn't, has underlying motives, if that makes sense. No, oh, that's that's true, dude. And I agree. Education is so powerful, and that's why that's what made the these Muslim was a powerhouse. Education. If you go and look into um the 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 occupation of Europe by the Africans, they built seventy universities. As as I said, these sure. people they sure. literally they valued education highly. And what's interesting, right, is I told you that Europe was ninety nine percent illiterate um at that time. And the link between this and Islam, because it was an Islamic occupation, is that um, when the angel, I'm not, I'm a Christian, right? But I'm just telling you the history here. When the the angel appeared to Muhammad, right? Um, And gave him the Quran, Muhammad was illiterate. And the angel said something like really important. The angel said, read. That is why Muslims value education. And the Muslims, they built mosques and universities side by side to them religion and education were integrated into one you know one you know one one structure and that's why we saw them doing such crazy technological advancements like they put air conditioning to europe there was no air conditioning whoa i didn't need whoa you can see that these were highly educated and sophisticated people so it throws away the notion that africans were 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 not as 
sophisticated as Europeans. In fact, the the contrary is true. Yes, I'm and good. you know, um, Dula, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, you are Muslim, right? Yes. And so, uh, you know, what do you are they are they called the Muslim Moors? What what do they call people? Yes, um, the Moors, Muslim Moors. Is this something that you've ever heard about? Have you ever heard? No, about I, I haven't even heard it. I, I, I did. That's crazy. Uh, Sipo was saying that Prophet Muhammad, when the, when the angel came to him, he said, yeah. it, it was such a powerful thing." And I think that's where that education part came into play. Wow, yo, Sipo, you just uh, wow. You know, you know, <laughs> yeah. I have nothing to say, and I even speak a lot. Yeah, but, I mean. Everything is we're saying is so true, and it links back to you know. So we're speaking about speaking about people of color. But can I ask you guys a question? You know, so I think as young people, um, we are naturally ambitious and want to go far in life, right? But yeah. do you guys ever feel the need to go far in life and take advantage of all your opportunities just because um people of color in our older generations were not offered the same opportunities, almost as a way of making up, if that makes sense. Um, I think in terms of that, it's just like, I, I don't think for me personally, I'm doing it just because um, my like previous like uh, like parents and grandparents and yeah. advantage. I think it's a personal thing where I, I'd, I'd want to achieve everything that I wanted to achieve. But I think a, a, a part of it is to get everything that they didn't get. But I don't think it's it's like 100% driven by that. I think yeah. it's a motive, but I think that definitely plays a part in it. You know, I, I agree with you in some sense. I don't think um, my my drive or ambition to um, take advantage of all my opportunities and to go far in life is um, 100% inspired by the fact that generations, um, my older generations did not get the same opportunities as me. But I do feel that, you know, I, I, I always think about the fact that, you know, uh, older generations or past generations had to fight the fight almost for me to even go to a private school for me to even get the opportunities and and advantages that I have today so that is something that almost um sits in the back of my mind as you know I study and dream big if that makes sense mm. um I think for me um I can also agree with like you and Dula that when I want to go far in life it's not necessarily to um you know, because um, of the opportunities that I have that my predecessors didn't. But I yeah. think, have you heard the quote, you're a giant, be- no, you're tall because you stand on the shoulders of giants, right? Yeah. So yeah. at the same time, I have to, one has to realize that you have to make the most of the opportunity because people, the people before you fought so you could be where you are. Like, yeah. like if, 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 if you look at, I'll tell you my, um, just quick, my... My dad, he grew up, I think it was in a family of eight, right? Sure. And my grandfather, who, who was looking after my dad at the time, he was a pastor. So yeah. he, wasn't, he wasn't the wealthiest person out there and was doing apartheid. So you can understand that my dad growing in a family of eight now, that, that this guy, he didn't have it all like, like I did, right? He literally had to work his way to the top. And yeah. when I talk to my dad, he talks about how my, my, my grandfather valued education above everything else. He used to tell my dad that unless you are educated, you're not going to do anything meaningful in life. And when you look at me today, 
I have never gone to sleep with a with a hungry stomach. I have never gone to sleep yeah. house with no electricity. I have never walked more than an hour to school, like you see happening in KZN. And that's because my predecessors saw the value of education. So I think when it comes to me, who am I not to admire the 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 greatness so and the wisdom of my predecessors? And that fuels me that no man. I've come too far. My grandfather has come too far. Yeah. My ancestors have come, come too, too far. For me, just to drop the ball now because I don't feel like it. So for and me, I think, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I was going to just say, I think, I think that's also the narrative for most people of color because, um, you know, our ancestors or, you know, our older generations before us were deprived of education, which, um, as we now know today, education is a powerful tool. So I think that's something that we can all relate to as people of color, whether you're black, colored Indian, you know, that's one thing that all our ancestors have been deprived of, you know? And I also wanted to, um, you know, speak about this whole idea of the Rainbow Nation quickly, you know? I think, obviously, we are, we are in a Rainbow Nation, but I think there's still certain things that I strive to see in our new Rainbow Nation or our post-apartheid South Africa. And I was just thinking, you know, I know that South Africans... Most of us are um, integrated socially, but I believe that the Rainbow Nation that I want to see, I want us to be not just integrated socially, but also economically, you know, um, corporate in entertainment in colleges and universities in all aspects of life. And I strive to see a South Africa, a Rainbow Nation in a South Africa where we have equality in all aspects of life, not just, you know, equality in schools, but, you know, equality in the workplace, if that makes sense. And if equality is too much to ask, at least equity, you know? <laughs> Definitely, man. And uh, just on that, I think as a rainbow nation, I mean, South Africa has come a long way um, it, yeah. from apartheid times to, to where we are now. And there's, and there's little things that like th- that South Africa has that's so powerful like, that emphasize the rainbow nation. Like when you look at our national anthem, it has four different languages. Isn't that like the, the most in, in the world? There's like no, so, yeah. no other country that has so many languages in there. And we have, it, it's just, it, it's so diverse. And I think something that I definitely want to see in the workplace and, and things like that is with racism, there's also, like you said, equality and equity. There's race and there's gender and there's so many different things. That, and there's like homosexuality and yeah. there's like different things. But race is, is, is such a powerful thing that we need to see, especially in a country dominated by people of color. So true. JJC Podcast Experience, bringing you the content, the stories and the insights. You said, you, you talked about a rainbow nation and equality and equity, right? Yeah. Now, when you look at our rainbow nation, Steve Biko said something very important. He talked about, first, liberate the mind, right? Mm. Now, don't, don't, don't be mistaken. The African person... The black person has been liberated, but has their mind been liberated? You liberate the mind, you emancipate the person. Now, when you look up emancipation, it talks about freeing someone from social, legal, and political restrictions. So when you look at legal restrictions, we are allowed to vote. We have rights. You can tick that box. When you look at political restrictions, we can, we can start our own political party, have political freedom. You can tick that box. 
Yeah. When you look at social freedom, in KZN, as I said, you still have a high number of pupils walking more than an hour to school. Just imagine, without sometimes without school shoes, you're telling me if you walk more than an hour to school, you're going to be able to apply yourself effectively. What happens no, yeah. now? So when you talk about social restrictions, you talk about these issues that I'm talking about here. Um, not even when this, this, this leaves this notion of, um, I was talking about education, right? Yeah. Now, even when it comes to the, the, the education, right, we need to look at the quality of the education, you, you, you know, that we, are, that we are receiving also as South Africans, because now we're talking about Rainbow Nation. You can't call it a Rainbow Nation if, if 29% of the population is unemployed, and that's stemming from the holes in the education system. Like, if, exactly. you, guys, if you guys don't know, People, um, the, 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 the standard to pass school, it's been lowered to 30% now. Now I think you can pass um, a trick with 30%. Now that is another, yo, that. So, and I think in math is like 20% or even, do you even need to pass math at the moment? I don't even know. That's funny, yo. Yeah, and that's a serious problem. Because now if you have people passing with 30%, you know, 20%, now when you go to varsity, you need 60% just to walk into the door. Let's say you want to study um, mechanical engineering, 60% for maths, 50% for English. Now you got a 30% and they told you that you passed matric. What are you going to do to each other? You tell me. So I feel like we are setting up our people for failure. For failure, even, I was about to say the exact even, same thing. Even before they walk through the doors, when you talk about our rainbow nation, I don't think it's just, you know, people being integrated. But I think it's enabling people to have the same access to opportunities in life, regardless of your social status in society. And that's why I'm saying we shouldn't just be, yes, we're in a rainbow nation and we haven't um, ourselves um, um, experienced an apartheid like that, but... I still feel that we need to strive for a better rainbow nation because what we are in now, what we have now, is not it. Basically, that's what I'm going to say. It's not it, you know. The JJC Podcast Experience. In partnership with the Red Radio. Inequality that still exists in South Africa will eventually become equality or equity as long as we work hard and bring attention to the issues. So go out there and be the best people that you guys can be and educate yourselves. I think that's the underlying message of today. Educate yourselves. So thanks for listening. And that's it from Getting Real with Dula and Sichawa. This podcast was brought to you by the Johannesburg Junior Council in partnership with Red Radio.